O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Alleluia. Now is the time of reformation, in which Christ the High Priest of things to come is confessed before kings. O come, let us worship him. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth, the strength of the hills is his also. It is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down, let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, Never shall be world without end. Amen. Now is the time of reformation, in which Christ the High Priest of things to come is confessed before kings. O come, let us worship him.
saith the Lord, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Saith the Lord, Be still, and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen, I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our refuge. The Old Testament reading for the Feast of the Augustana is written in the third chapter of the book of the prophet Daniel, beginning at the thirteenth verse. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. Then these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered them, Is it on purpose, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you don't serve my God, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready, whenever you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, to fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you don't worship, you shall be cast the same hour into the middle of a burning, fiery furnace. Who is that God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If it happens, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set up. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God.
The epistle is written in the 10th chapter of Romans, beginning at the 5th verse. Brothers, Moses writes about the righteousness of the law. The one who does them will live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith says this, Don't say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart, that is, the word of faith which we preach, that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, Whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, and is rich to all who call on him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? How will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they didn't all listen to the glad news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. O Lord, have mercy upon us, Thanks be to God. I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings, and will not be ashamed. I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings, and will not be ashamed. Let thy mercies come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation according to thy word. So shall I have wherewith to answer him that reproacheth me, for I trust in thy word. I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings, and will not be ashamed. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I have hoped in thy judgments. So shall I keep the law continually, forever and ever. I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings, and will not be ashamed. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, I believed, therefore have I spoken. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Gracious is the Lord and righteous, yea, our God is merciful. Alleluia. The Holy Gospel is according to St. Matthew, the tenth chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus said to his apostles, What I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light. And what you hear whispered in the ear, proclaim on the housetops. Don't be afraid of those who kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in Gehenna. Aren't two sparrows sold for an Assyrian coin? Not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Therefore, don't be afraid. For you are of more value than many sparrows. Everyone, therefore, who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. Here ends the gospel. Praise be to thee, O Christ. I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings, and shall not be ashamed. And I will delight myself in thy commandments which I have loved, and shall not be ashamed. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, and shall not be ashamed. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Feast of the Presentation of the Augsburg Confession. That's quite a mouthful. And you might be wondering, what in the world are we celebrating? What's the big deal about a presentation? 
So simply put, what we're celebrating is this. It's called the Book of Concord. And not every Lutheran knows what it is, but they ought. Years ago, when I was a layman, when I taught high school Sunday school, I asked if the kids knew what this was. And all shook their heads no except for one sweet girl who asked if this was about grapes. And to her disappointment, I said, no. No Welch's has ever been near this book. This is the book of the Lutheran Confessions. You see, in our tradition, we're not united by a pope or a bishop or a convention. We're not united about being against the pope. We're united by the scriptures and by this confession of faith. This book of Concord, we confess, is the correct and pure exposition of scripture. It's the correct teaching of Scripture. To believe these confessions with the heart and confess them with the lips is what it means to be a confessional Lutheran. It comes from the Scriptures. Our unity is about Christ crucified. And the most foundational document in this book, besides the creeds that we recite every Sunday, is the Augsburg Confession that we celebrate today. And if you take time to learn the Augsburg Confession and the Book of Concord, you'll learn much about the faith and you'll learn much about the history of our church. And as you learn that history, there's one thing that you'll see, one theme that will run throughout that you'll hear. The odds were always against us. By all reason, by all rational thought, we, the Lutheran Church, shouldn't be here. In our history, we speak of how unlikely it should have been for a little-known monk in a know-nothing town like Wittenberg to post 95 Theses and get all that attention, but he did. We could speak about how unlikely it was for a monk to say, here I stand, so help me God, and therefore defy the emperor and the pope, and still live, but he did. We could talk about how unlikely it was for an emperor to let the Reformation happen, how unlikely it was for to let him how unlikely it was for him to let his empire be divided in a religious battle without using force to bring it together yet because war with the turks with the ottomans was always a threat the emperor had no choice but to let the reformation and this little monk live on even with all that, the odds were always against Luther. By all reason and rational thought, he should have been silenced or killed early on. You heard it in the psalm this morning in the intro it. We said the heathen raged and the kingdoms were removed, and they, that, that happened. But he lived. He was excommunicated. He was sentenced to death, but he lived. And 13 years after he posted those theses, the Reformation was still there. The empire was still divided. And it set the stage in a town called Augsburg. You see, in 1530, with the threat of war tamed down for a time, the emperor wanted to bring his empire together, unite it religiously. So he called for a meeting in the German town of Augsburg. Between, he called for a meeting between those in Rome and for the reform, reformers in Germany. Luther couldn't go. He would have been killed if he did. So, you'd think that without Luther, the odds were against the Reformation here. How could it be successful in Augsburg when the man who started it couldn't even speak up for it? But you see, the Reformation at that point was no longer about one man. And many other Lutheran princes and theologians and laymen, they went instead. The odds were against the Reformation of one man. But now, in Augsburg, this is a Reformation of the church. And as they went, it looked like the emperor was setting the stage for an honest discussion, debate, and dialogue between both sides. It looked like the Lutherans would finally be heard. But as they came into Augsburg, what they found was the odds were still against them. They were a small group compared to the Romans, the Romanists. As the Lutherans entered Augsburg, the emperor met with them privately right away, and he demanded that they attend every Roman Mass, and they forbid any sort of Lutheran preaching. You see, the tone was set by the emperor. It was as if the Lutherans had come to Augsburg to simply sit down, be silent, be rebuked, and accept all that the Pope had to give them. 
The nations raged, the kingdoms were moved. And in the emperor, we see this happening. The odds were against them. And yet, after the emperor spoke, one of the Lutheran princes stepped forward and boldly told him, before I let anyone take from me the word of God and ask me to deny my God, I will kneel and let them strike off my head. And he bowed down so he could have his head struck off. It was bold. So bold that the emperor was taken aback and said in broken German, not cut off head, dear prince, not cut off head. With that boldness, these men, these leaders, showed they were willing to die for this confession. And the tone of the meeting changed. Later on, as the meeting started, the emperor commanded the Lutherans to put their doctrines, their positions, in writing and to hand those writings over to him. So the Lutherans did that, led by a layman called Philip Melanchthon, and with him many documents of the Reformation that Luther had wrote, and with Luther sending letters from afar away, Melanchthon wrote what, was come to know, what has come to be known as the Augsburg Confession. The Lutherans now had a document they could read to confess their faith before the world that hadn't been heard before. The emperor had different plans. He demanded the Augsburg Confession be handed to him in writing only. He wasn't permitting them to read the confession before anybody. And so their predicament at his demands was clear. The emperor was going to hand those papers over to the papists. They would rebut it in writing. The Lutherans would be forced to accept Rome's response. And so the emperor hoped everything could happen quietly, just in writing, outside of the public eye, and it could all be concealed from the public. And it would ensure that the Lutherans would never actually be heard. It couldn't blow up any more than it had. So again, the odds were against the Lutherans. Rome was set to rage and move kingdoms to stop them. And yet, the boldness from that one Lutheran prince had now affected all the Lutherans in Augsburg. They united together. And in unity, they demanded an opportunity to proclaim this out loud, to speak this confession publicly. The emperor, at their unity, had his hand forced. So he set a time and a place for them to read their confession. But the emperor is clever. He's not a dumb man. In the palace where they were meeting, there in Augsburg was a large, spacious city hall where everyone from around Augsburg, everyone that came for this meeting, could come and hear the Lutherans confess. But you see, the emperor didn't choose that room. It stayed empty. Instead, he chose the palace chapel room, which was much smaller. Maybe 200 people could fit in there. That's not much. Without radio, TV, newspapers, internet, when only two people, 200 people hear something, that's not much. All the odds were against the Lutherans. The emperor, in his cleverness, he raged against them, seemed to outwit them. By all reason, the confession would be heard by so few people, it would have meant nothing. There might be enough people to start rumors about what was said here and there, but the impact would have been no different as if the room was empty. The confession here should have been muted. And yet, the, the, the Lutherans saw that that small chapel room had windows that opened up into a very large courtyard outside. So those who couldn't fit into, the large, into that small chapel went to the courtyard. It still it would have been like if someone sat out here, outside this window. They might have heard some, but it still should have been difficult for them to hear the confession read. Those outside really should have only heard murmurs of what was said in the chapel. And yet the Lutheran layman who read the Augsburg Confession had a voice that was so loud, he spoke so distinctly, he was heard not only in that room, but also by all those outside. Everyone heard him. There's not very many people that can speak like that, but that happened this day, and it happened for two hours. He spoke like that for two hours, confessing the faith. The Augsburg Confession was given to the Roman theologians. They gave it in writing after they confessed it publicly. And the Roman theologians, they responded to it, they confuted it, they rejected it. 
They also demanded that the Lutherans drop their confessions and realign with Rome. The emperor, of course, agreed with Rome, demanded the Lutherans to comply with the Pope's demands in six months' time. However, the threat of war came back, and those six months would turn into 17 years. Luther would die in that time. And in 17 years, when, lo- when the war had abated again, the empire and the Lutheran lands went to war between themselves. But you see, the empire was too big and too strong. The emperor crushed the Lutheran princes. He took control over the Lutheran lands. Many of those princes were jailed and stripped of their authority. They lost the war. The odds were against the Lutherans. By all reason, with Luther dead and the war lost, that should have been the end of the Reformation. The Augsburg Confession that we have in this book should have been stopped there. should have been a document maybe lost to history. And yet, not even death and the loss of war could force those of the faith from relinquishing the Augsburg Confession. They clung to it with their lives and continue to confess it as the right and pure confession of faith. What we have in a book, in many books sitting out there, what we have in a book is the confession of faith of Christ crucified for which men were willing to lose their lives, and many did. Five years later, though, another war would break out between those two factions. Factions, the Lutherans would win the second one, and after the heathens raged and the kingdoms moved, finally, after they won this second war, the Lutherans were able to confess and live out their faith legally. And such is the story of the Augsburg Confession in the 16th century. The story doesn't stop there, of course. The odds always remained against this confession. Many times it seemed this confession should be lost to history. After Luther's death, Philip Melanchthon would rewrite the Osbrook Confession to be more to John Calvin's liking. That's why we're the church of the unaltered Augsburg Confession, the original one, not the one Melanchthon would rewrite. The Lutheran Reformation was nearly taken over by many other different reformers that believed different things. There would be more bloodshed and more war in the next century. The Augsburg Confession would face the Enlightenment, the Age of Reason, to which many German churches fell. So it got so bad that eventually the true belief in the Augsburg Confession would leave Germany for America in a ragtag group of Saxons, a group with so many issues, with the odds all against them, that they never should have been able to form any sort of church body, let alone a faithful one. And in our synod, throughout our history, we've had so many controversies and issues We perhaps shouldn't be standing here today. We should have split off like all the other Lutheran bodies. The odds have always been against the Augsburg Confession and against those who confess it. And so how is it that we still have it today, that we still confess it today? How is it that this confession overcame so many impossible odds? The psalmist says, the heathen raged and the kingdoms were moved. And yet... The Lord uttered his voice and the earth melted. The reason why the creeds and the Osborne Confession and this book of Concord remain today and continue to be believed and confessed today is simply this, it's about Christ crucified. That's what the church is built on. It's the confession of faith of Christ crucified and it's built on his forgiveness. By grace alone, We are justified by faith alone through the Scriptures alone. Nothing can can stop that confession of faith. The gates of hell cannot prevail against it. The Lord will not let His Word be silenced. He will not let His gospel be shut up or overpowered by our works. He will not let His salvation be stopped until He deems the banquet hall to be full. Today, our most dangerous opponent... It's most likely not the Roman church or other denominations. And who our biggest opponent is today, many people will give different answers. They could say the age of reason or the age of non-reason. Postmodernism, Marxism, progressivism, the sexual revolution, laziness, hedonism, on and on. We have so many enemies against the church. (coughs) We see our church body with its own issues. 
We have our own issues in our church body. And like every other congregation, we have our own issues in this congregation, whether they be big issues or small issues. There are challenges all around, obstacles all around, opponents all around. Regardless of what challenge you look at for the church today, it feels overwhelming. That the odds are impossibly stacked against us. That's how it feels. Many even predict that in the West, persecution and violence will increase against the church. And perhaps that will happen. Look what the psalmist says. The heathens raged. The kingdoms were moved. Just like it was for the reformers, so in a certain way it is for us today. It's easy to fear those who can kill the body. It makes our flesh tremble. The thought of death for this confession makes us tremble. Yet Christ says, don't fear those who can kill the body, but the one who can kill the body and the soul. The Lord uttered His voice, the earth melted. Just as the Lord kept the confession of the church pure in the centuries past, He will continue to do so today. Regardless of how much it feels like the odds are against us, whether in the congregation or the synod or out in the open world, Regardless of how much the odds are against us, that's why we learn this Augsburg Confession. That's why we confess it boldly, hold to it boldly. Even confess it before kings. May we pray to the Lord that we confess it to our dying breath like they did. Our voices aren't the first one to confess this confession. Our lives wouldn't be the first to be given for it. But we know the word of the Lord will not be silenced. We know that Christ crucified has overcome the world. We know that His is the victory, that He will return, that salvation for us is certain in Him. The odds may seem stacked against us, but we know where the victory lies. We confess where this victory lies. All that is left for us to do here in this life is to confess and find comfort and warning in these words of Christ who says, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him will I also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who, who is in heaven. So then let us come together and eat and drink and confess Christ crucified until he comes again. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.
thirst upon thee to deliver me when it's humble thyself to be born of a virgin and thou hadst overcome the sharpness of death thou didst open the kingdom of heaven to all believers thou sittest at the right hand of God mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O Almighty God, whose saints confessed on this day the pure doctrine of your word before princes and peoples, so defend your church, we pray, from all our foes of your word and from all impurity of doctrine that the gospel of your Son may be proclaimed to the salvation of sinners in all the world. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Almighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for all your goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of your dear Son, and for the revelation of your will and grace. And we beseech you so to implant your word in us that, in good and honest hearts, we may keep it and bring forth the fruits of faith by patient continuance and well-doing. Most heartily we beseech you so to rule and govern your church Catholic, with all her pastors and ministers, that we may be preserved in the pure doctrine of your saving word, whereby faith toward you may be strengthened, love and charity increased in us toward all mankind, and your kingdom extended. Send forth laborers into your harvest, and sustain those whom you have sent, that the word of reconciliation may be proclaimed to all people, and the gospel preached in all the world. Grant health and prosperity to all who are in authority, especially to Joseph, our President, the Congress of these United States, Kim, our Governor, the Legislature of this State, and to all our judges and magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after your good pleasure, 
to the maintenance of righteousness, and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. May it please you also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may cease their enmity and hostilities, and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. All who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for your name's sake, comfort, O God, with your Holy Spirit, that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of your fatherly will. Especially do we pray for those that we name in our hearts at this time. Although we have deserved your righteous wrath and manifold punishments, yet we entreat you, O most merciful Father, remember not the sins of our youth nor our many transgressions, but out of your unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul. Preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair of your mercy, and from an evil death. And in every time of trouble, show yourself a very present help, the Savior of all men, and especially of them that believe. Cause all needed fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season. Give success to the Christian training of the young, to all lawful occupations on land, sea, and air, and to all pure arts and useful knowledge, and crown them with your blessing. Receive, O God, our bodies and souls and all our talents, together with the offerings we bring before you. For by his blood your Son has purchased us to be your own, that we may live under him in his kingdom. As we are strangers and pilgrims on earth, Help us by true faith and a godly life to prepare for the world to come, doing the work you have given us to do while it is day, before the night comes when no one can work. And when our last hour shall come, support us by your power and receive us into your everlasting kingdom. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, Defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise, and with thy honor all the day. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and Everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through the same Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, that thou hast protected us through the night from all danger and harm. And we beseech thee to preserve and keep us this day also from all sin and evil, that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds we may serve and please thee. Into thy hands we commend our bodies and our souls and all that is ours. Let thy holy angel have charge concerning us, that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Bless we the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, be with us all. Amen.